Hey, it is great to be with you. It is great to be with our online family as well on the live stream service. And we are wrapping up our series. We spent the last four weeks speaking on the Trinity, which is the triune God. And it's really, when you understand the Trinity, you're starting to really understand the nature of who God is. And I just want to point out on our website, any of the locations pages at the top, if you click on those three bars, you can go to the resources and you'll see sermons on Spotify. We post all of our sermons on Spotify throughout all of our locations. So if you missed a week, feel free to go back, go to our website, catch the the sermon that you missed because we've been looking at this very important series, because the Trinity really communicates to us who God is. And our mission here at Alpine Church is to help people pursue God. And it is important to get God right, meaning there are consequences if you get God wrong. And so many people have different opinions, and we just saw what opinions lead us away from God at times. So many people have different opinions about the Trinity that this word, the Trinity, can be a big stumbling block for many people. So if you've missed any of the previous weeks, here is the Trinity, kind of wrapped up in one sentence. One God, who three persons who have existed eternally, and it's important to understand this, the three persons of the Trinity are God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And God the Father is not God the Son, and God the Son is not God the Spirit, and God the Spirit is not God the Father. But as there's perfect harmony of oneness, and the paradox is the three, that's where most people get tripped up on on the Trinity. But when we looked into God's word, we see that yes, scripture upholds the oneness of God. There is one God. But scripture also holds up the persons of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And it's important to to know those details, because as we pursue God, it's important that we find out and get the details about God correct. And here's what we're going to be looking at today. The doctrine of the Trinity is not just an abstract theological theory. It can shape how Christians actually live every day. So many conversations that I've been a part of is always trying to figure out that threeness, right? The oneness people accept, but it's that threeness. But here's what God really is doing. He's revealing himself to us. And today we're going to look at how the Trinity can impact our everyday lives. And we're going to be looking at these three ways as we study the Trinity and we look into the Trinity, how that influences our relationships, how that impacts our lives. And we're going to jump right into it. And here's the first way. The Trinity teaches us to live in humility. And the first thing we need to understand is we live in humility before God. And we see the psalmist in 99 really capture this. Verses 1 through 5, it says this, The Lord is king. Let the nations tremble. He sits on his throne between the cherubim. Let the whole earth quake. The Lord sits in majesty in Jerusalem, exalted above all the nations. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Your name is holy. Exalt the Lord our God. Bow low before his feet, for he is holy. You know, I love coming here Sunday mornings because one of these expressions of humility is through worship and coming together with you guys and lifting up our voices and worshiping God Almighty is an awesome gift from God that we get to be a part of. But there are many people that struggle with this. If you look at the vid, the Lord is king which means that he sits on his throne. 
But so many people don't want God to be sitting on their throne. They want to sit on their throne. They don't want anyone to tell them how to live their lives. We're going to get into that more and more next week in culture wars. But it's important to understand that when we come before the almighty God, we need to humble ourselves, that we are not the all-knowing, all-powerful, but we can turn to the one who is. And we come in worship and we lift our voices up to God. And what the psalmist is getting at here is God is so much greater than we are. So much greater. And the natural response to responding to God's greatness is humility. It's humbling ourselves. It's taking our egos and all of our, you know, the wisdom that we think we know and putting that aside and going, God, may you become greater and may I become less. May you become more and we become less. And I love this visual as how this, this scripture ends. It says, we got bowed down to the Lord, the almighty, all-sustainer God who knows everything about us, who lavishes us with all these gifts of love and grace and mercy. And he allows us to come into his presence to worship him and bow down to him. So we humble ourselves first and foremost before God. And here's the second way we express this humility, toward each other. And as we get into this, we're first going to look at the relationship within the Trinity before we really focus on how we can interact in our relationships together. And we see this in John 13, verses 31 and 32. It says this, As soon as Judas had left the room, Jesus said, The time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory, and God will be glorified because of him. And since God receives glory because of the Son, he will give his own glory to the Son, and he will do so at once. So here's what we see here. God the Father and God the Son, two persons of the Trinity. But they are not exalting themselves. That there's this mutual honor between the Trinity. That the Father is receiving glory from the Son and the Son receives glory from the Father. And we see this again in John 16, just a few chapters after this. We see now this example. I'm going to read it to you. With the Spirit and the Son. It says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. And so here we see the son receiving glory from the spirit because of this mutual honor. And this is a great picture of what God wants us to experience in our relationships. We see this beautiful connectedness within the three persons of the Trinity. And we can learn that they have this mutual honor and what God wants for us in the relationships that he puts before us is for us to give honor and experience honor with one another, with each other. But here's the problem. So often we want to make life about us. We can't wait to talk about us. We are our favorite subject to talk about. And you see this example that the Trinity is communicating to us, that they are not exalting themselves, but they are giving honor to one another. What would that look like in all of our communities, in all of our relationships, if we walked into this setting going, how am I going to give honor to this person? Rather than making life all about us, how can we bring honor to one another? Now, Jesus expands on this. 
This mutual honor that we have, when he came to the earth, he humbled himself. And in verse 4 of chapter 13 is a great example of how we can bring honor to people. And it's through serving. This is where Jesus bows down and cleans and washes the feet of his disciples. Now, if anyone was above that job, that responsibility of washing someone's feet, it would be God in the flesh. And we see the reaction from the disciples going, whoa, Jesus, you can't clean my feet. That's how they responded. But Jesus was modeling here. He's about to pass off the reins to these guys to lead his church. And he's saying, you guys need to understand this. Nobody is above serving. Now, you have to know the slave at that time The lowliest of of jobs was to clean the feet of the guests who would come to your household. That would be done by a slave. And that's what Jesus does. That's how he served his disciples. And we see this. And Jesus is modeling it to us that we are not above any serving capacity. Whose feet are you washing? How can you serve the people in your life? Look within your family. How can you serve your spouse? How can you serve your coworkers? How can you serve the community of people here at Alpine Church? I love the clean team, and I love those people who clean our toilets. I love you guys. And that is authentic, because that is an important responsibility. And that's what Jesus is communicating here, that we are not above any service to anyone. Don't walk into this setting thinking you're above that or that's not your responsibility. Jesus is modeling this servanthood that leads to humility. Believe me, God himself humbled himself, left his reign in heaven to come to the brokenness of this world to wash our feet. It's the most amazing love story that exists. And he models this for us. So the first thing is we show this humility first before God and then with one another. And now we're going to look at community. The Trinity teaches us to live in community, loving unreservedly, meaning just a complete fullness of love. And we see this in 1 John. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. It is a gift from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. You know, we really don't deserve God's love because we're born into this world with this sinful desire to go our way over God's way. What we we deserve is wrath and punishment because of our sin. But God says, no, I'm gonna love you and I give you my gift of love. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it talks about love. Love is patient, love is kind. But at the end, it kind of wraps up this way. It says, these things, These things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. The greatest gift that we can receive from God is his love because God is love. And I just want you to think of that word community and how are we loving. So when you think about, again, going through your family, your neighbors, your coworkers, your church, congregation, How are we doing loving one another? And if we would just understand this about God's love and how he wants us to reflect God's love and to receive God's love through each other in our relationships, what would the community look like? What if we started that 
just here in one community at a time, how long would it take to influence the world if the world would just understand this? This love that only comes from God, and it is a gift from God. But we need to understand that love is just not a feeling. It's a word we say all the time. I love the Rams. I love going out to dinner. Like we just use it in a way that minimizes what God is communicating here because love is much more than a feeling. Praise God for the feeling of love. And sometimes that feeling wells up in you, with you. My granddaughter's gonna turn five weeks tomorrow and every time I get to hold her, I get to experience this feeling of love that just impacts me and just a beautiful blessing from God. But love is much more than just a feeling. It's a choice and an action and so how are we loving? Because Jesus modeled this. He came to this world because he loved us, but he put that love into action by dying on the cross. It's a sacrificial love. And we're going to talk about that more. But what would our communities look like? Think of all your neighborhoods that you live in if we just applied this in our community. Loving. Investing in people and loving on them and putting that love into action. And there's the second thing. The Trinity teaches us to live in community. Forgiving freely. Oh, this one's tough. But I love this verse. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, it says this, Since God chose you to obey the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you, remembering the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Like, this is just not a suggestion. This is a command. And I've seen this in relationships. And I think parents, do, we do a pretty good job about forgiving our kids. So in the beginning, we just say, well, they're just young and dumb and they don't know any better, right? So we, we freely forgive. But as they get older, it gets a little bit more challenging. But you know the relationship that this is really hard to do? It is marriage. Man, we have so many people that are failing at this freely forgiveness within their marriage because we're keeping account of each other's wrongs. I've been guilty of that. My wife has been guilty of that. But what God is communicating here in community with one another, we're all imperfect people. And that the way that we are going to model this within the Trinity, again, nobody in the Trinity ever sinned, so no one in the Trinity had to forgive one another but what we look at is God's response when somebody has sinned against God. And God's response is freely forgiving us of all of our mistakes, of all of our sin. And that's what God is asking us. That's what we learn from the Trinity, that we need to be forgiving because God first forgave us. And what would our relationships look like if we forgave people, freely forgiving each other and allowing all the faults that we're going to experience in life with one another. And if we're able to do that, then it makes the third point that we are able to live peaceably. In Colossians 3, 14 and 15, it says, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts for as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. 
And we see the Trinity, there's just a complete peace. There is this perfect loving, this mutual honor that they give to one another, and there is just this sense of peace, full peace, full forgiveness, full love. And it's a beautiful picture. But one thing that the Trinity never experienced was any conflict within the Trinity. But see, we experience conflict which counters the peace that God wants us to live in. And that's why we need to be freely forgiving to one another. And I'm not saying that there doesn't need to be follow-up and there doesn't need to have conversations. But God's ideal for us in community is to experience this living in peace. And so what does that mean? Core value number three at Alpine Church is we have to work really hard at healthy relationships. So, so often when conflict enters to our relationships, what happens is we flee. And that's really what Satan wants from us because he wants to kill our relationships. So what happens is we get uncomfortable or it's going to be challenging for us. Instead of confronting it, we flee from it. We don't address it. And on many occasions, now that relationship that God has in for love and forgiveness is now dead. It causes separation because of the conflict we encounter. And so it's just a reminder that we have to work really hard at healthy relationships to accomplish what God wants in community for us is all wrapped up in love, forgiveness, and peace. But it's going to take a lot of work because we are imperfect people. But the relationships are worth it. And here's the fourth. Serving connectedly. In 1 Corinthians 12 Verses 12 through 14, it says this, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ, some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we will all have been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. And so we look back at the Trinity And we see the persons of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And now they had different roles. We looked at this all throughout the series. Like in creation, the Father instituted the plan. He was the initiator. Jesus was the creator. And by the Spirit's power, things were created. And we see the harmony of them working together. And so the Trinity models this for us. That they all had different roles but they all came together for the unity of purpose and accomplishing things. And here's, in 1 Corinthians, Paul's talking about using this body analogy for us, the followers of Christ, that we all have different parts, and these different parts, he's using the, the image of a body, make up unity with oneness of body. And so my question to you is, are you a part of the body? Like, are you coming to Alpine Church, and are you just attending Hey, that's great. We love that you're here. But God's plan is more than just coming on a Sunday and attending. It's a part of it. It is. But again, we want to fulfill what God's plans are for us. And he wants us to be a part of the body. And there are areas and ways that you can step in. And it's just not here on Sunday morning. It's all week. It's through our small group structure. It's through mentoring. It is through all the teams that come together here on Sunday. But here's what happened. It's the 20-80 rule. 20% of the people in church do 80% of the work. And what we're doing is we're missing out. Every person that's not connected to the body, and what I mean by that is helping people pursue God, that's our mission, 
And I'm telling you, the people who clean the toilets do that. Kids' church teachers do that. Worship, media, sound, every coffee team, everybody plays a part in helping people pursue God. And if we're missing any parts of the body, we know it. And when that happens, what happens is the feet now, they have to do the job of the feet, of the walking, and now they're also trying to do the work of the hands. And sometimes it's the arms, right? They have to do their job. But when we're down people, because the body's not connected, it's not full, now they're trying to do the work of the arms and the legs. I was a lead pastor here for over 13 years, and I could always tell, looking at our volunteer and our org chart, where we needed more people. We've always had the attendance to accomplish everything we've ever needed. But what I am communicating to you, that God has a plan for you to be connected to the body. If you are interested in today, all you've done is attend. Again, glad we're here. We love you. That is step one. We would love to connect you to the body. Because every time we connect one more person, we just got stronger as a campus. And it takes all of us to accomplish God's will in helping people pursue God. Talk to Pastor John after the service or stop by the the welcome table outside in the lobby. We would love to see and talk to you on how you can be a part of serving here at Alpine Church. And here's the third thing. The Trinity teaches us to live on mission. This is the most important thing in life is finding out who Jesus is. What is every individual's response to about Jesus. And this is the mission of God's mission. We see the first thing, the Father sends the Son. First John, furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. No, if you're here and you're just trying to figure out who God is, and you're like, this Trinity stuff is all great, but I'm just trying to find out who God is. Know that Jesus was sent by the Father to come to die for your sins. And in return, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, the Bible says you will be saved. But the first mission here, part of the mission is the Father sends the Son. And now Jesus has reconciled us to be able to be again in a relationship with God. And here's the second thing. The Father and the Son send the Spirit. John 15, verse 26 says, But I will send you the Advocate, the Spirit of Truth, He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. That Holy Spirit, which was the power that created the universe, is the same power that dwells in you that the Father and Son have sent to us to give us strength, to give us help, to be our advocate, to be our helper. It's this amazing picture of God's mission, but not only is it God's mission, but he's equipped us. He's done his part. And now we are equipped with the Holy Spirit. The spirit that formed the Son and created the Son is the same spirit that dwells inside of you. Are we ever going to understand fully God's power? No. But it is an amazing resource for us in life. And that's the power we have dwelling in us. It's the Holy Spirit. We'll continue on the mission. Here's the third thing. The Son sends the church with the help of the Spirit. Here's where we enter the story. God's mission. And here's where we enter. The Son sends the church in Acts 8, 1 through 8. But first we're going to read 
John 20, verse 21, it says, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. The Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them all of my commands. That's our responsibility. That is our job description as God's church. We can look back at the early church, and they didn't really understand it, but they started to get momentum, and yes, we got to see that discipleship was happening. And through generations, they have passed the torch. Well, we are carrying that torch now. Are we making disciples who are you discipling? Here at Alpine, we call it mentoring. And if you want to be a part of more of this, we would love to connect you with this. But here's the last verse, Acts 1.8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, that God uses us. He invites us into this relationship, and he uses us to be witnesses to point people to him. God does all the heavy lifting. God is the one that changes hearts. God is the one that gives us the truth. The Holy Spirit is leading us. It says that at times the Holy Spirit will give you the words that you need. He will give you the power that you need to be able to witness, to point people to God, and God wants to use you in that way. It's an amazing relationship that we're a part of. And I'm hoping that you all have a better understanding of the Trinity and how the Trinity impacts our everyday life through humility, through all the ways that we could be honoring to God in community. May we be loving, forgiving, which leads to peace. May we serve connectedly. And may we be on mission, surrendering God. I know many people are sitting here thinking, well, that's not for me. No, this is for his followers. And if you are a follower of Jesus, know that God wants to use you. He's got great plans for you. And if you've ever had a conversation about God with anyone. And at the end of it said, wow, that wasn't that bad. That wasn't that bad. But God wants us to engage in our neighbors. He wants us to get out of our Christian bubble and he wants us to make an impact in our world. We just watched a video that our world needs God and God uses his church to reach people. My hope is that you would say, yes, I wanna be a part of what you're doing, God. Use me. Let's pray.